Rick, Ricky was a mongoose and, you know, mongooses, mongoose. Uh, I, I don't know what the plural of mongoose would be, but I think the okay. plural of mongoose is mongoose. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Cecil himself. Yes, I am. You are the Cecil himself, or you are always with me? Uh, both. Neither? Neither. Fine, both. whatever. Both and the same. Everything. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> and uh, Peter either overslept or... Okay, l- l- let's face it. Peter overslept. Guys, if you want to help out the show, we have a Patreon. We also we also encourage you to go to adamandeve.com if you're looking for any kind of sex toy or something like that. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight, I want to talk about pop culture osmosis and how it's a problem in my mind. You probably will disagree with me because you, well, always disagree with me. I don't always disagree with you. Most of the time. Pop culture osmosis is basically, it's a side effect of social osmosis. Social osmosis is, quote, the direct infusion of social or cultural knowledge. Effectively, social content is diffused, and by happenstance, authentic experience is displaced by degrees of meditated separation before a subject acquires a knowledge of a social phenomenon, unquote. What that basically means is, like, say you... You've never seen a Game of Thrones episode in your life, and yet you know everything that happens, you know all the plot points, you know all the character details, you've osmosed that show without ever seeing it. We get this a lot. There's people who literally think they've seen movies that they haven't seen. Cecil, everybody out there knows Rosebud is a sled, right? But you ask these people, have you ever seen Citizen Kane? No, I've never watched Citizen Kane. But they know Rosebud is a sled. They've osmosed the pop culture because of various things we'll talk about. Soylent Green is people. I would defy most people who know Soylent Green is people actually having seen Soylent Green. The movie, strangely enough, it's a relatively obscure movie, given what it is. Yeah, it, it's uh, a lot of people know of, like the the word Soylent Green. They don't necessarily know uh, like anything in it. They, they're like, wait, Charlton Heston was in this. It's uh, it, it has been referenced in so many things from The Simpsons to a lot of comedies that people just have absorbed that they know it, even though they've never seen the movie. And it's a shame because I think it's a really good movie. It's a, I do have some problems. I mean, I get from when it was made. It's a very slow-paced movie, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I remember the first time I saw Soylent Green, I was maybe 14, 15, way too slow-paced for me. Seeing it as an adult, I appreciate it a lot more, but I can understand how some people are like, this movie just kind of plods along a little bit. When you're older, you appreciate the reason it's plodding along. 
I don't mind a slower paced movie if what's going on is still interesting. It's when it's slow and nothing's happening, uh, which there's a, quite a few movies that do that where it's just like, can you do something? But this, I felt like even though it wasn't really progressing quickly, there was still enough going on that was keeping me interested. Well, and also sort of the malaise of life is kind of the point of the movie, too. That might be unintentional to how the movie turned out, but in a way it feeds into it. My big problem with pop culture osmosis is people are, are are getting the cliffsnos versions of classic cinema, television shows, music, books, etc. And, and this is unintentional. This is just something our brain does. It substitutes it, making you think you've actually seen it. Like I, I, I know I, I kind of did this as a kid in the era before videotape and and stuff like that. When you know maybe a horror movie would show once a year on a UHF station. I remember reading about all these Hammer films and all these monster movies from the fifties and stuff. I read about them in all the magazines so much. Strangely enough, by the time I I got to see the movie, it felt like I'd already seen it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think with, uh, in, to a certain degree, one of the biggest examples for me was, um, Men in Black, where they were running the trailer so much that by the time I did finally see the movie on opening weekend, it felt like I was seeing it for the second time. Yeah, it, it's strange how, how we osmos and we absorb pop culture without realizing it. And sometimes this is not our fault. Sometimes it is. Like, to me, and I, I guarantee you're going to disagree with this, to me, if the only way you've seen a movie is on Mystery Science Theater 3000, I'm I'm saying you still haven't seen the movie. One, you haven't seen it uncut, because they generally cut the movies, even if it's just for time purposes. Also, the fact that when you're seeing it with all the jokes, that's so not the same as seeing the green slime on its own than when you see it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Or seeing Ega on TV is totally not the same as seeing Joel on the bots riff it. If you've seen a movie on Mystery Science Theater 3000 only, you still haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I actually, I agree with you on that because, um, as you said, certain movies, uh, well, I mean, all the movies get edited for time, but one of the biggest things was, uh, there was the movie Squirm about the, uh, about the worms. They cut so and... much. The movie doesn't even make sense in their version. Yeah, and that was, and the director of the movie, uh, like there are some people that have had issues with their movies being on Mystery Science Theater, but in this case, the director, rightfully so, was like, this isn't really that bad of a movie that, I don't know what, I mean, they had, they had gotten through a lot of problems as far as acquiring material towards the end, and I think this was a case of, they had this movie, may, you know, cause it, cause it's such a silly premise, they went with it as opposed to it being a really genuinely piece of garbage film. So I think the, and them cutting it down in order to fit it within their time frame, it really made it seem disjointed and a mess. And it's a shame because it's actually kind of a neat little movie. I think the worst that they ever did for that was Mitchell. They cut out the conclusion of John Saxon's plot line and then they make fun of the fact that john saxon's character has no conclusion hey wasn't john saxon in this movie i wonder what happened to him you literally changed the movie so you could make jokes about it if you've only seen mitchell on mystery science theater sorry you haven't seen mitchell it's still a brilliant episode <laughs> but, but my point is i joe don baker said if he ever saw one of them in public he'd punch them well and that would be a deserved punch too 
with Mystery Science Theater, I talk to people all the time when we're talking class, you know, oh, classic and quote cinema. And people will be like, yeah, I've seen the Mystery Science Theater. And it's like, God damn it, then you haven't seen the movie. And there are people that are going to, in the comments, that are going to nitpick the hell out of me for this. And it's like, no. Strangely enough, I made a list years ago. I went through all the Mystery Science Theater movies. I, I looked at all the ones I saw before I ever saw them on Mystery Science Theater. I saw over three quarters of the movies on that show on late night television, VHS, or cable before they were ever riffed by by Mike or Mike and the Bots or Joel and the Bots. And that, to me, I think made me appreciate them riffing these movies more than if the first time you're seeing Red Zone Cuba with the riffing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, there are a lot of times where uh, there's some terrible movie that uh, I wanted to see first before I saw the riff on it. Because, yeah, it makes you appreciate it more because you're like, oh, my God, when they get to this point, it's going to be hilarious because it's so bad. You know, I want to hear what they're going to say about it. So, yeah, I mean, I do that with riff tracks. If they're going to riff some god-awful movie and they have the, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to see the, uh, you know, the, the, the movie first and then watch the riff on it and just have a really good time because it's like they're so bad. You're missing out on part of the experience by experiencing how terrible the movie is, enjoying the fact that they're just shredding it. But I will say there are some films that really are just only watchable in the Rift version. I won't dispute that. I'm just saying if you've only seen a movie on Mystery Science Theater, you still haven't seen the movie. There are people I know who, due to the recent one they've just discovered star crash and i'm like well mm -hmm. you still haven't actually seen star crash yeah you need to uh that that's one where it's actually like a fun movie it's understandable to be riffed but it's a it's a fun star wars knockoff but then you you also have things like let's go back to the rosebud citizen kane thing you have all these people that have not seen Citizen Kane, but they know about Rosebud. They know about, you know, the snow globe breaking at the beginning. You know, they've seen The Simpsons and The Critic and everything parody Orson Welles so much. I actually think more people nowadays know Orson Welles from all of the parodies on SCTV, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, The Critic, etc., than have ever actually sat and watched an Orson Welles interview, watched an Orson Welles movie. Am I biased? Yes. I think Orson Welles is one of the most genius filmmakers that never really got a break. At the same time, you can also see why he was parodied. It's not the same thing when you grew up with The Simpsons and The Critic and SCTV parodying him, and then you go and watch the archived interviews on YouTube, the man kind of seems like a joke. Towards the end of his career, when he was doing all the voiceover work and uh, the commercials, it, I wouldn't say that he was a joke, but it kind of became a joke because he was just... He was trying to survive uh, at that point, man. He, he owed the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars. He'd been ostracized from the film industry. He was literally trying to pay his rent at that point, man. He had made what is almost universally revered as the greatest movie ever made, and he's doing a commercial about peas. You know, because be, the like, check like, cleared like, and he needed to pay his rent that month. But that's what I'm saying. That's got to be insanely frustrating. He wants to direct. He wants to be doing this. And instead, he's talking about uh, Mrs. Buckley's farm. In July. 
in July. You can show me a way to say in in a, to begin a sentence with in July. I'll go down Find on you. Me a jury. Just, he, and just him walking out. Just pissed. you people are pests. It's, it's hilarious. I actually love it. You people are pests. Yeah, because they're all like hovering around. Oh, it's just it's so brilliant. And then there's the one where he's he's got the champagne and and the people are pulling the, the champagne. Yeah, yeah, he was sampling the the wares a little too much prior to the shooting. He was so drunk mm-hmm. off of his ass. Yeah, it's it's just funny. I mean, it's it's it is really funny because hearing him lose his mind, and then there's like on the same uh, token, you know, Shatner doing voiceover work, and he's losing his mind. It, you you do feel a little bit bad, but like I don't know, the humor kind of overrides it. But my point is, there are people who think that that's what Orson Welles was. You know, there are people that that think, how did this man make Chimes at Midnight? How did this man make Citizen Kane? How did this man make F for Fake? He's a he's fucking clown shoes, and it's like because well, he wasn't was, always that, like this. That was him. Yeah, that was Orson Welles at that point. That wasn't young, hungry or Orson Welles who was like out there, you know, working and, and, you know, making, you know, what he wanted to do. This is Orson Welles at the end of his rope. But then you also have another example would be Morricone's Good, Bad and the Ugly score. Everybody knows. Now, people listening to this show I'm not talking about right here, you you go and do that to anybody on the street. They'll know what you're talking about. They won't know what it's from. They won't know who composed it. They won't know what movie it first appeared in, but they know that score. And I think that's part of pop culture osmosis. And again, I hate to say it, due to parody. Parody is really a, a parody and like sketch comedy is really a big reason people osmos this stuff. That, that Marconi score has been parodied so many times. I think more people think it's from Saturday Night Live than think it's from Good, Bad and the Ugly. I was going to say, I think that this is a case of where more people are going to, you know, if you were to ask them, you know, hey, where's that from? They would say Saturday Night Live or, or some some other uh, movie that used it i don't know like i think t- i think hot shots used it and so yeah they would uh, they would know it from that as opposed to where it originally came from that is part of the problem but i you can't see so i'm not faulting the people i'm not faulting the listeners for having osmosis unless you're intentionally doing this like i just want to watch the recaps of the walking dead every week and i don't actually want to watch the show but it's like i know what's going on in the walking dead well you really haven't watched the walking dead which you shouldn't be but that's not the point it's it's also like planet of the apes everybody knows the ending but then they they go and read the book and they go, what the hell was that? That's nothing like the yeah, movie. Marky Mark went, yeah, Marky Mark went back in time. And, oh, wait. This is not, again, the, the people's fault. This is more due to marketing. I, I saw this recently. You know HBO had that Fahrenheit 451 movie with Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon, right? Which deviates yeah. quite a bit from the novel. Well, the newest pressings of the novel have Michael B. Jordan on the cover. And I guarantee you there's going to be people who saw the HBO show, the HBO movie, went and picked up that book and went, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they they do that every so often, like when uh, a movie based on a book and then they reprint it, they'll do the new cover to represent the book. Like uh, they'll they'll have the cover will now be the poster that was for the movie or something. That's really just a, a marketing tactic because it's it's recognizability people see that and they're oh wait i saw this i should get the book version and it's like well no it was a book first i, I have a <laughs> couple of those where i've got a planet of the apes 
the Pierre Boulle novel that's got Charlton Heston on the cover, I wonder how many people were super pissed off after seeing the movie and picking up this paperback. These things are not alike at all. You know, in the book, the monkeys have laser guns and rocket ships and jet packs and flying cars. If you saw Planet of the Apes the movie, the book is nothing like it. I have the same thing mm-hmm. with Blade Runner. I have a copy of Droid's Dream of Electric Sheep with the Blade Runner poster on it. And again, I'm going, these two things are hardly alike at all. I can see people having watched Blade Runner picking up the novel and going, what the hell was that? The movie has deviated so far from the source material. Uh, The Shining. The Shining. Oh, God, if you if you watch the movie for The Shining and then you read the book, you're like, huh? They're only superficially <laughs> like, alike. the same thing? Mad Max the Road Warrior. There are people who, because, you know, Mad Max barely got a release in America initially. And, and even then when it finally did, we didn't even get the correct audio track because they redubbed all the voices because the accents were so thick. There are people who are shocked when they go back, especially after Fury Road came out, and they want, went and watched Mad Max and they went, what? Where's all the post-apocalyptic and the and the people in chaps and all of the deserts? And it's like, well, yeah, that doesn't show up until The Road Warrior. But so many people call it yeah, Mad really Max, until... you know? It's like, no, mm-hmm. the first movie doesn't really have that. Yeah, it was like the... It was right at right at the beginning of the apocalypse, so to speak. And then Mad Max is when it went full post-apocalyptic. A road warrior. The thing is also you have something you have things like Ed Wood. There are people who have seen parodies of Plan Nine from Outer Space, Glenn or Glenda. They've 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 seen clips, they've maybe seen the Tim Burton movie, who've never actually sat through an Ed Wood movie yet. They'll be like, Oh, I know that. That's Plan Not Yeah, you've never seen Plan Nine, have you? It's funny because I I do think the Ed Wood is a brilliant movie. I think it's fantastic. Oh, it's a great it movie, is not but yeah, it's not even close to being what actually happened. Yeah, there there was no premiere for Plan 9. It did not happen the way that it did in the movie. However, it's still a great movie. It's loosely based on what happened, but there are a lot of people who will take that as factual there was a thing recently that came out um again god i i need more coffee this early in the morning hey, uh, just um, to point out to people this is three in the afternoon <laughs> i was up until uh i was up till 8 a.m this morning editing so i'm just pointing out i'm just pointing I've out it's three a- in the afternoon when we're recording this i have a very different schedule than normal people there was something recently where Bohemian. Now, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody yet, but I know the, peop- the people who have seen it, uh, who I've talked to about it, and they say it, that are huge Queen fans, and they say it is a terrific movie that largely not what happened. Well, you get that with biopics all the time, and that's actually on my list here. When when people get their information from a biopic, or or not even not even a biopic, you know, just any story that's based on a true story or whatnot, they think that's what actually happened. They think Ed Wood actually met Orson Welles. That never happened. You, you get so many of these biopics where if you know what actually happened, you're like, what? No! What, what, what are you doing here? That, these characters never met. They're from different times. What? Huh? Now, to call yourself a true story, I think you should actually have the majority of the thing be true. Like, I've often pointed out pain and gain. I'm sorry, the fact that they keep reminding you it's a true story when the people involved, as well as the original journalists who broke the story, are like, that movie is 80% fiction. And yet the movie keeps flashing on the screen. This all happened. This really happened. This is a true story. These are all real people. 
when they're not is beyond disingenuous. Yeah, that's really a weird one because I don't mind movies that come along and they're, you know, based on a true story because it's like, okay, yeah, it's based on a true story. The idea came from something that happened. But when you're pulling like what they did with Pain and Gain, it was based on a true story, but they changed almost the entire story then, but kept pushing. This is happening. This is what then, then it's like, all right, now you're just really, really lying to the audience. Full blown lying to the audience. And I mean, that got even worse because the, the real basis for Tony Shalhoub's character had to sue because they made, remember, he's the victim in this. They made him such a despicable, loathsome piece of shit in the film. He had real people thinking that that's what he was like and that he deserved what happened to him after that movie came out. That, that is, that's really just bizarre. That he would have to go to those lengths to be like, no, you're, you're like defaming me in a movie and people are believing it. It, it even goes so far as to things like, uh, I think the movies from 2014, The Happy Face Killer with, uh, with David Arquette. It's based on a true story and they have one of the victims, the only surviving victim. Between 1990 and 1995, the Happy Face Killer murdered at least eight women. Okay, he claims he, he he's murdered at least 150 women, just most of them were not attributed to him. They have eight that they could tie him to. He let one woman, Dawn Slagle, survive, because after he raped her and after he tried to choke her to death, her baby in the car started crying, and he felt sympathy and let her live. Why was she at a convenience store at three in the morning with a crying baby? The baby was sick, she ran out of milk. In the movie, she's a prostitute who gives him... She gave him head, tried to extort him for money, and tried to get drugs off of him. Totally the same thing as what really happened, right? Yeesh. And she sued. And because she said people in her hometown started thinking, oh, that's what happened. And it's like, I'm sorry, you deserved to get sued. Yeah. You changed the one survivor from a mom getting milk for her sick son to an extortionist prostitute drug user. Yeah, that's really, really, <laughs> that's awful. There's no way around that. You know, people are going to say, oh, you know, the based on, you got you, you have to change things because sometimes it's just not cinematic. And I understand that. But when you're doing a biopic or you're doing a based on a true story, you should at least... You know, try to make it true. I, maybe I'm weird in that regard. But then you you also have things, let, let's go back to the normal pop culture osmosis. Twilight Zone. There are people I know who can't remember ever seeing a Twilight Zone episode. I'm talking classic Twilight Zone. But they sure know that it's a cookbook. They sure know that Robert Redford was death. They sure know that, that you know, it was really snowing outside when when she thought she was burning up. You know, they, they, they know all the plot twists. Never seen an episode. Yeah. Well, they've been talked about so much and parodied and I think even remade for for some of the other, like, Twilight Zone shows become something that people know. And strangely, this isn't necessarily pop culture osmosis, especially if you did grow up watching Zone. You also, in a weird way, you confuse it. I've talked to a lot of people about Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, One Step Beyond, and they'll confuse them. They'll be like, well, there, there was this, and then and it's like, no, 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 that's an Outer Limits. 
They're like, no, that's a zone. No, that's an outer... And then someone else will be like, actually, that's a one-step-beyond episode. And it's like, you're right. That was a one-step-beyond episode, the Charles Bronson boxing one. It's so weird how in our memories, we've sort of mushed those three shows together, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there was a, uh, an article I was reading a while ago where they were talking about false memories, where your brain will remember things that either didn't happen or your brain will remember things differently. There have been movies and stuff that I've I know I've seen and I remember a scene in the movie and then I won't watch the movie for say 20 years and then I'll sit down to watch it and I'm like this I remember this being completely different so I think there's a weird switch in our head where we just absorb things think that we've maybe seen something or we remember things differently and then we're just stunned when we find out that, no, it's not the way that, uh, you know, our brain was conveying it to us. Have you ever seen Ricky Ticky Tavi, the Chuck Jones, Orson Welles animated special? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, well, is it called Ricky Ticky Tavi? Ricky Ticky Tavi. Okay. Yes. Cause I, I know that, two, I want to say. Well, I know that, like that the, um, it was a weasel. Well, he's not a weasel. Mongoose. That's it. Yeah. Rick, Ricky was a mongoose and, you know, mongooses, mongoose. Uh, I, I don't know what the plural of mongoose would be, but I think the okay. plural of mongoose is mongoose. Mongoose, which just sounds weird when you say it like that. Their, their whole thing is they're great at fighting snakes, cobras specifically. I don't know if they're bred for that or if it's just a natural thing. I don't know enough about mongoose, mongooses, whatever. Ricky Ticky Tavi, you know, fights the cobra in the special and gets bit at one point. Not just me. Everyone from my generation remembers crying when Ricky dies in that. Ricky doesn't die. We all remember Ricky dying protecting the humans in that in that special. Ricky doesn't die, though. I have vivid memories in my head of Ricky dying in that. And somehow, so many other people do, too. But Ricky doesn't die. He gets bit and he comes back, and at the end he's got the bandages and stuff. But we all remembered Ricky dying in that. And I remember crying my eyes out when Ricky died. And then to find out Ricky don't die, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Say it's a good thing, but it's weird that uh, you don't remember it. Or you you misremember it, I guess. Okay, but how about not knowing something from the past exists? You get this with remakes a lot, where that's a remake? And I think this is part, part of culture, pop culture osmosis as well. People are shocked to find out such and such a movie is a remake. And then they're like, well, the old, you know, the ones, oh, it's, it's black and white. The exemplifier of this was when the first Mission Impossible movie came out. I remember MTV was covering the premiere. So this would be, what, 95, 96? I don't remember when the first Mission Impossible movie came out. All right, somewhere in the mid-90s. MTV was covering the premiere. It was a big deal. You know, they, they got everybody there. They got Tom Cruise, and they're interviewing him. And they also had Peter Graves from the original show and the, 19, the short-lived 1988 series. The anchor on MTV, which I think was Kennedy, she was interviewing Peter Graves. She had no idea that this show went back to the 60s. She thought this was a movie remake of the 1988 series and that that was what Mission Impossible was. She was shocked when Peter Graves got pissed off that she had no idea that the show was from the 1960s because she had never heard of it. Talk about pop culture osmosis. Everybody knows. Dun, 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 Even if you don't know what it's from, you know that goddamn theme. How do you not know Mission Impossible was not from the 80s. Now I think uh, with with the amount 
of content out there, I think it's going to get worse where a lot of older stuff is just going to get swallowed up because uh, people are focusing on the new. Something like that is is going to become more common. Uh, I know when the Psycho remake came out, there were people who didn't know there was originally another Psycho. And I'm like, one of the biggest movies of all time? There were three sequels and a TV pilot. Up to up to that point, there wasn't a TV series. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's sort of a franchise. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. It's, again, another movie that has been parodied and lampooned and spoofed and referenced. And you didn't know that the, the Van Sant was a shot-for-shot remake? Oh, all right. Well, you, you get that sometimes where... A movie such as Marathon Man, you know, it's really just an average, I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's just an average Nazi spy thriller from the 70s. But it has that one scene. Is it safe? The scene where the Nazi dentists are torturing Dustin Hoffman and they're drilling into his teeth and pulling out the nerve endings to try and get him to talk. And is it safe? That scene stuck out. There are people who you go, oh, is it safe to them? And they'll be like, oh, my teeth. What movie is that from? Um, uh, Clerks mentioned it once. Um, um, isn't it weird how the the Nazi dental torture scene in Marathon Man has made its way into pop culture, but not a single other f***ing thing from that movie has? It's such a memorable scene. So I think that there's been a few of those where Dean is so good that it transcends the rest of the movie. And uh, I think Marathon Man is a pretty good film. I don't. I, I, I wouldn't I say it's like I said, it's not it's bad. It's average. It's average. But uh, I think it's better than average. I I remember I was getting some dental work done a few years ago. I mentioned to my dentist, "Is it safe?" She looked at me with this really look at me like like I'm a dentist. Like I haven't heard that a million times. Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. I think I think that's she's she's a little tired of it at this point. Ironically enough, that was the same day I was all doped up on painkillers. That was the same day I interviewed Sid Haig. Now you go back and listen to that Sid Haig interview and see if you can tell that I'm f***ed up on painkillers that day. Because <laughs> I had to interview him two hours after my dental appointment. Marathon Man is a great example of a scene making its way into pop culture. Nobody knows the rest of it. Like, everybody knows Dirty Harry. Everybody knows how many shots did he fire. Do you feel lucky? Do you punk? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows Make My Day. I think a lot of people don't realize Make My Day didn't come until the fourth movie. I I bet, you know, a lot of people probably don't even realize how many Dirty Harry movies there actually are. They just know, well, Clint Eastwood played Dirty Harry, I don't know, a couple of times. I don't know. There's five. Well, yeah, and there's technically two more that aren't really dirty. I mean, to be honest, you look at Tightrope and you look at The Gauntlet, those are unofficial Dirty Harry movies as far as I'm concerned. I don't care what they call his character. He's playing Harry Callahan. The Rookie 2, to a certain degree, with Charlie... Yeah, I can kind of see that. Gran Torino actually started as a Dirty Harry movie. Oh, really? And you can really, you can really see it. You, I mean, obviously they, they, they changed it as it went along, but the original script for Gran Torino was a Dirty Harry as an old man sequel. <laughs> and you can, you, you look at that and you go, you know what? I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally could see it too. It's such a, it's such a memorable line that, uh, people have remembered it to the same degree. Did a video a couple months back on Police Academy and I had at first, I got like one or two comments. I didn't really think anything about it. But then I started to get this flood of comments. Oh, no mention of Bobcat Goldthwait? And I'm like, on a, on a similar thing. He had become so ingrained with the film series 
that people thought that he was there since the beginning. And he wasn't. He wasn't there until the second one. And I kept telling people, I'm like, I didn't talk about him because he doesn't show up until the next movie. Like, I, what was I going to, you know, in the future, they were going to put Bobcat Goldthwait. No, I'm talking about the original. I'm talking about everything that happened there. I'm not talking about what's happening yet. I will mention him when he shows up and people, oh, I thought he was in the first one. It's like, now go back and watch it. Nowhere to be seen. That sort of also goes to people that know parts of pop culture, and I'm putting the word know in quotes, and they know it wrong. Like, you know, it's a famous thing now to point out that, that in Empire, Vader does not say, Luke, I am your father. The line is, no, I am your father. And yes, that's maybe just a minor thing. People misquote that all the time. Or like, you know, they'll reference Star Trek. Beam me up, Scotty. He never says that in any of the movies or the original series. They do say it in the cartoon. Who the f*** watched the cartoon in the 70s, right? So, but there are people who totally remember the old series. Beam me up, Scotty. Never actually said that. Elementary, my dear Watson. Again. He never actually never said actually. that. But there, there are people who do not watch Star Trek, who never grew up watching Star Trek. They'll know, he's dead, Jim. Or, you know, I'm a doctor, not a insert. You know, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. And they've never seen an episode of Star Trek in their life. Or the red shirts. It's it's just pop culture. They've osmosed other parts of pop culture, which to me is just so weird that this can happen. Isn't it a strange phenomena that you can know a show, you can know a movie without ever actually seeing it? And I don't want to even say nowadays because I grew up with this in the 70s and 80s. I, I would read about these movies in Fangoria, in Starlog, in Famous Monsters of Filmland. And then when I actually saw them, it was like I'd already seen the movie. You started off this talking about Game of Thrones, and I've never seen Game of Thrones, but there was a guy I used to work with. He was a dick <laughs> and he couldn't stop spoiling it. So it actually made me not want to watch the show because he was constantly coming in. Oh my God, this guy died last night. And I'm just like, so I had no desire to see it because I knew every single thing that happened. Yo, this, yo, this girl gets raped. Yo, this guy gets killed. And I'm just like, all right. And then, uh, and then it became a bunch of memes. And I, so I've lost any and all interest to watch the show because I, I already know everything. That's that's part of the problem, but the other problem is the online critics. Now, I'm not talking about you. You don't talk about current stuff. So I'm not – I'm excluding people like you. But you've got, you've got like the Doug Walkers out there. I know – I personally know people who will watch a, a stupid Doug Walker review and the, they'll now think that they know the movie. Especially when you get to the online critics, the YouTubers and stuff, I really have a problem with people – who just see their mo see their reviews and then is like, well, I, I now I know the movie. No, you don't. Go and watch the movie yourself, you entitled little twat. When I'm goofing on a film, I, I will go after something that is, uh, you know, 20, 30, you know, however years old, uh, making sure, you know, kind of bringing it up as a way to bring it to people's attention, not doing something that is brand new, not doing something that is only a couple years old, unless I'm doing an exploring video on it where I'm talking about the history of it, not talking about what actually happens within the movie. With Doug, where he'll do something more current, you know, he'll do a movie that's only been out in theaters, uh, you know, only out for like a year or two. And I, it kind of sucks because it's like, it's not giving people the opportunity to watch it. I understand why he does it because that's going to get him uh, a million views easy. Cause he's also an unoriginal cock too. Well, 
general when he was going after like the older stuff, the Caspers and all that. I think that's kind of fair game in my opinion. But uh, the the newer stuff, I I I personally steer clear. But then again, I would probably be getting a million views too if I was going after that. But that's just not my style. With pop culture osmosis. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? Because, like I said, I grew up, I mean, hell, I grew up reading about Twilight Zone episodes before I ever saw them. But at this point, I've seen them all. I've seen all the zones, seen all the limits, all the one step beyonds, all that. But when I grew up, obviously, there was no home video, there was no streaming, none of this crap. It took a while. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that by the time I saw a Twilight Zone episode, I already knew what the twist ending was because of pop culture, because of Saturday Night Live, Dan Aykroyd specifically. It's actually shocking. I've been watching some old 80s Dan Aykroyd movies lately. I forgot just how much he referenced Twilight Zone episodes. I mean, like, almost every 80s Dan Aykroyd movie, he's got a Twilight Zone reference or a joke in it about Twilight Zone or, like, something spooky will happen and and all of a sudden on the soundtrack, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And it's like, man, he loved Zone. <laughs> It's it's cool. I mean, I love that uh, he's that passionate about something like that. Well, he's always been big into like the paranormal and weird. And uh, so I think that's kind of just an extension of that. Nowadays, obviously, you have a, a different opportunity. If you want to watch Game of Thrones, if you want to catch up on Walking Dead, you can literally just go and do that. Back in my day, it wasn't so simple. Yeah, the Twilight Zone would be on every night on, you know, in reruns in the 70s and 80s on a UHF channel, but that's one a night, a maximum of five a week. And that's assuming there wasn't a preemption due to a basketball game or something. You realize how long it took me to watch all five seasons of the original Zone? Let alone people who watched it in the 50s and 60s, where they it took them five years to watch them all. It might have taken me a year, year and a half to watch them all. Now you could literally watch them all in a couple of days. Is pop culture osmosis easier today or more difficult because you have to actually sort of choose it? I think it's easier because uh, pop culture is so much more out in the forefront. Uh, you have people talking about it, doing memes about it, making jokes, references, you can watch entire series, you know, in an afternoon. It's just so much easier to absorb and so much easier to take it all in. Well, with pop culture osmosis, let's go back to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Does this maybe save you sometimes? You know, say like Game of Thrones. I do not like Game of Thrones. I, I've only watched one episode, the pilot episode, through not just pop, pop culture osmosis, but my girlfriend is a huge Game of Thrones fan. I'm literally not even allowed to call her when new episodes are on. You know, it'll be like Game of Thrones is on, fuck off. I almost can't avoid knowing what happened in Game of Thrones. Is that the same thing because I'm dating a Game of Thrones fan? Or is it just... Like you said, the memes and all this that, I mean, as soon as something happens on Game of Thrones, you, you, I'm sure also see all memes all over Facebook, all over Twitter. So without even wanting to, we kind of know what happens, don't we? Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest ones was, uh, the, the last Avengers movie, the snap and like everybody was disintegrating. And so it was Mr. Just Stark, like, I don't feel so good. Yeah. All over the place. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks everybody. I didn't want to. Didn't you know? I, I didn't have a chance to see this opening weekend, so you know, f me, right? And, and I think I think that's the double-edged sword of this whole thing. I know you you used to watch Walking Dead, same as I did, and you know I've given up on the show. Every time a major character would die, 
within minutes it would be all over Facebook. And, you know, I'm not into the whole, oh, no, spoilers thing. But, I mean, just the fact that even if you've never seen Walking Dead, you know Glenn got his brains bashed in in this episode. In a way, nowadays, it's almost impossible not to absorb pop culture, isn't it? Whereas... In the 70s and 80s, yes, I was reading all the magazines and stuff like that, but that was my choice. Okay, you might stumble upon something on a Saturday Night Live episode, like an Exorcist parody or a Twilight Zone parody. Again, Dan Aykroyd as Rod Serling, something like that. But you sort of had to seek it out. Nowadays, it's almost unavoidable, isn't it? There's been so many things that have been ruined. Actually, uh, the reason why I stopped watching The Walking Dead was because of the Glenn thing, was because uh, I I was, like, behind on the series, and I was in the process of catching up. When that happened, it was all over the place. They were posting all these pictures, and I'm just like, all right, now I just, I just, I stopped caring. Now I'm so far behind by the time I get there, it's not going to have any kind of resonance anymore. It's not going to be any kind of big deal. I don't care because I know that this character is going to die. And I know that every other major point is going to happen and it's just going to be ruined. I got lucky with, with Civil War or not Civil War, uh, Infinity War, because what I did was uh, about six months before the movie came out, I went into my Twitter filter and I put in every variation I could think of. Uh, Avengers, Avengers, Infinity War, Avengers, and muted them all. The only ones that got through were the ones where it was just a picture, but it didn't have any text to it. So that's how I ended up getting, you know, I was like, I still had the snap spoiled for me. Even though I put in about 30 terms into Twitter to like block, you know, so I wouldn't get spoiled for me. So I think that it's it's just going to get worse, especially when you have things like uh time differences where people will see stuff on the East Coast and then it's not going to air for another 3 hours on the West Coast. So people are you know still putting the memes and what out not out there. Uh, th- th- and that that was a big deal when Farscape was on the air because they always aired in Australia a week before they aired in America. Oh wow. So when when Farscape was in first run, because, you know, it's an Australian-produced show, that you would always have all the Australian critics and fans on the new, you know, we're talking the late 90s here, the news groups, who would be talking about, you know, oh, you know, Aaron got killed in this episode or something like that, and it's like, then that episode would air. So, I, I again, I'm not a spoiler. I don't mind. I'm not one of these guys, well, you spoiled the movie for me, there's no point in me even watching it anymore. I just remembered that that it would always air in Australia a week before it aired in America. I don't know. I'm more of a, I don't like, spoil a movie that's a couple years old, fine. Hey, spoil d- a movie that's like brand new, meh. I got yelled at. I can't remember what, what the topic was, but in an older episode, when I mentioned the ending of Planet of the Apes, and they're like, great, there's no, you know, and the the, the argument was, the person was in his 20s and just has never gotten around to seeing that movie before. I'm sorry, the movie's 50 years old. Fuck your spoilers. If you don't well, know the ending, hell, the ending is on the fucking box art. They have the ending on the cover, for God's sake. I, I can understand their frustration, but I think they have to look at it from both sides. It's like, okay, it's new to you, but it's really old to the rest of us. I kind of understand, but also I think that they need to understand. But that also goes to pop culture osmosis. How do you get to be 20 years old and a sci-fi fan and not have already stumbled across the fact that it's Earth all along? 
you know, maybe he's in in Iowa. You've never watched The and... Simpsons, which have used that more than one time. The Critic. I mean, you've never watched any sort of animated show because they've all used that at some fucking point. Maybe they saw it but didn't know what they were referencing. I think that's also part of pop culture osmosis. Like I like I was saying earlier about, you know, confusing Twilight Zones, Outer Limits, One Step Beyonds, and things like that. Do you think pop culture osmosis can get can confuse you? Like when all of a sudden you go and you, you do watch Game of Thrones and you're like, wait a minute, I thought this and this and this happened, but wait, what? So can sometimes pop culture osmosis mess with you? Definitely. You think uh, it's going to go in one direction, but this parody did it differently. And you've always kind of assumed that that was what happened. And then you see the real thing and you're like, oh, oh, now I get it. Or sometimes, let's go back to Soylent Green, pop culture osmosis. Sometimes it totally leaves the context out. Look at Soylent Green. The fact that Soylent Green is people totally makes sense in the context of the movie. It's it's almost intelligent. What, what, you know, again, in the context of the movie, to recycle people like this. But to just, oh my god, they're making people into food. When you lose all the context, the pop culture absorption, it's not the same thing, is it, without context? No, it's, it's different. Cause I mean, that was the, the thing of it. It was leading up to that over the course of two hours, as opposed to being a five second bit in a 22-minute television show. Pop culture osmosis is an actual thing. You know, I'm assigning maybe too heady of a term to it, whatever. We do this to people, Cecil. You don't know how many people I have had message me that listen to this show, that watch your show, that watch Peter's videos, etc. I just discovered such and such movie, such and such TV show, thanks to you guys, but, and there's always a button here, but... Because I heard you guys talking about it, it sort of wrecked the sort of wrecked it for me. So they find out about some weird exploitation movie, but we were also talking about all the plot details of a you know thirty or forty year old movie, so they couldn't enjoy it for the first time. It's like, well, that part's not really our fault, is it? It's kind of a mixed bag. Like I understand there are a lot of times where I will watch something or hear about something, and they maybe go a little bit too much into it. But it still piqued my interest, and I still want to check it out. But I understand how uh, it ends up talking about it, ends up ruining it, because maybe we uh, we talk a little bit too much about it. But again, like I said, it's if it's you know a twenty, thirty, fifty year old movie, it's kind of fair game at this point. I don't like the whole spoiler thing. This whole oh you spoiled, shut up. I have never. Not once had a movie wrecked for me because I knew what was coming. Okay, well, that's you. That's not everyone else. You know, and in fact, sometimes knowing the ending, you can start looking for clues without having to watch the movie a second time. I remember Fight Club. I'd, I'd already, I already knew the, you know, Jack and Tyler are the same person. I was looking for clues the first time I watched the movie. Instead of having to go pay to go see it a second time to go, oh, I see what you did. I don't mind spoilers, and I think no matter what, you're going to absorb, aka osmos, pop culture. And I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. Can be if it's done wrong, but I also think you need to remember where this all comes from. Like, if you've never seen a Twilight Zone episode, but you know all the plot twists, god damn it, go and watch the Twilight Zone. 
if you know everything that happens in a Shyamalan movie, all the plot twists, but you've never seen one, go and watch it. And most of all, never seen the MST3K movies uncut. If you've never seen them on their own, go and watch them, then judge the movies. Yes, most are still going to end up to be crap. This is also part of the Mystery Science Theater effect that pop culture has. They assume if it's on Mystery Science Theater, it's a crap movie. We ran into this when I was on Mike White's The Projection Booth with the Phase 4 episode. Phase 4 is an amazing movie. But because it was on a Mystery Science Theater, people immediately to this day still dismiss it. Oh, I saw that on MST3K. What are you talking about that a good movie? So you want to say hi? Yeah. Hello. Say hi. hi. Say hi to the audience. No, say hi. Riker. Say hi there. Hi. <laughs> Riker will be ab- absorbing, he will be osmosing pop culture from you. You will be the super soaker and he will be the sponge. Yes, I, uh, oh, that sounds really wrong. <laughs> I, didn't, I, when, I didn't mean it in a, okay, you made that way dirtier than it was intended. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, when he was still an infant, I was, uh, bottle feeding him. As, as you know, as a father, it takes like, a long time for an infant to drink like an entire bottle of of uh, milk. So I had my Kindle and I would sit there and watch episodes of Mystery Science Theater while he was taking a bottle because I needed something to to do while I was feeding him because you're really just sitting there. And it was a nice, I don't want to say inoffensive, but it was something that like I could, you know, I'm not going to throw on like Die Hard or something because because uh, a lot of times he would sit there and drink, you know, and he'd look and uh so, uh, I have a feeling that, um, you know, as he gets a little bit older, maybe he'll remember and, uh, he'll, he'll be into mystery science theater. He's, he's seen me watch some episodes and he's like, you know, the guy in the robots, but, uh, he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really get the show yet, obviously, cause he's four. When, when, when <laughs> but, I, I had a similar experience with my son, I was feeding him and the sci-fi channel had a star Wars marathon. Remember there were only three star Wars movies at this point, people. Okay. And, yes. and, and they had a star Wars marathon. My son said he kind of remembers that. He sort of remembers stuff with like the Tusken Raiders and things like that. I think in his little brain, he locked down parts of watching Star Wars with dad on TV when he was a little bitty baby. He couldn't comprehend Hmm. it, but he remembered those images, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you're still absorbing then. It's just, you know, you're you're just seeing the images and whatnot. You're not getting the context. And, well, and, so. and now as a grandfather, I'm going to just inundate my granddaughter when she gets a little bit older. I'm going to start her on classic Star Trek. She's I'm going to make her watch all the classic Star Trek, maybe Space 1999, The Prisoner. She won't understand these things now. She will later, though. It's good. You know, give her a foundation as opposed to current sci-fi, which is a very, very hit or miss. Well, and especially because her mom hates science fiction. So she's not going to get her sci-fi education except by grandpa. (laughs) So, all right. On that note, when it comes to pop culture osmosis, do you think the future is going to get better or worse with people, whether it's intentional or not, absorbing pieces of pop culture? 
I'm going to say it's going to get worse because uh, social media and all that certainly isn't going away anytime soon. And uh, people talking about uh, pop culture is absolutely not going away soon. You know, we're getting gigantic conventions and uh, uh, just all kinds of things where all of this is congregating. So I think it's just going to uh, get pushed more and more. I mean, you even said you're going to be getting your granddaughter to be watching uh, a lot of uh, science fiction now granted hopefully she'll take that continue to watch the shows and whatnot instead of just getting the uh cliff notes version from uh the internet or from a reviewer or whatnot there there's a lot i mean we were talking about that earlier i think that there's still a lot of value in reviewers that will maybe do expedited version of a particular film or whatnot. I do think that uh, one of the reasons that I do it is because I want people to I want to present it in a way that makes people want to watch the film. And so hopefully they would see that and then they would seek out the film itself. And hopefully that will happen. But I have a feeling it's just going to get worse in the future as far as people uh, seeing snippets of something and then taking that as this. This is terrible. or This is no good. Mystery Science Theater. The guys even said uh, numerous times the movies that we do. A lot of people will will say, you know, we oh they're terrible movies. We try to do movies that have a redemption to them that are enjoyable. It's like the Movies that are bad, that are painfully bad, are often the ones that are really hard to present in any kind of way as funny. Every now and then you'll have a movie like Manos where it's bad. It's a lost cause almost. It's a lost cause, but there's so much material there that you can goof on. Whereas there's other movies where they're bad, but they're like fun. That's still you know, should allow you to be able to check them out and enjoy them uh, either in the rift or unrift form. And see, I think it's going to continue to get worse. I think the internet is going to unintentionally make people absorb stuff that they should be actually watching. They should be actually ingesting. They should reading the stories and not reading the Cliff Notes versions. And they should be reading the comic books and not just getting the plot synopses from Wikipedia, etc. I think it's going to get worse. But then again, I osmosed all this stuff when I was a kid by reading it first. So, But then again, I actually sought it out. I don't know if that's a difference or not. So on that note, where can people osmos the Cecil? Uh, you can osmos me at uh, goodbedflix.com uh, as well as goodbedflix on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. You can absorb me like a dead twin, 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
swan dive off the edge of reason. I've been searching so long and all along never was a man. I feel believing, some are bleeding. Wants somebody calm my breathing. I just want my freedom. You're my demons. Every day I live to beat 'em. The walls are closing in. My patience wearing thin. I can't keep these shots from. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.